Welcome back to One Conversation, the podcast where we believe one conversation can change a life. My name is JC Macias, and here with me are my two lovely co-hosts, Miguel and Lisa. So for today's episode, we are going to explore the impact of domestic violence on both children and survivors. We will be going over some statistics and signs of the impact from experiencing or witnessing domestic violence. Please keep in mind that this episode may be triggering for some listeners due to the fact that we are discussing abuse and its effects. So please, as always, take care of yourself um, however you need during this episode if things tend to be triggering for you. Yes, and it's also really important just to preface this episode by saying even though survivors may experience similar types of abuse, the response to trauma really varies from person to person, right? So there's many factors that can influence how a person responds to both short and long-term effects of abuse, such as frequency of the abusive incidents, uh, perhaps the degree of severity of what they're experiencing, and the effects on their physical health, among others. So the overall impact of domestic violence, it also depends on the individual's natural reaction to stress, uh, to ways of coping with stressful situations. And some other factors include age in which the trauma occurred for them, previous exposure to unrelated traumatic incidents, and the extent of therapy or timing of intervention as well. So before we jump in, in and start sharing the effects or impacts of domestic violence on children and survivors, let's quickly revisit and define domestic violence. Domestic violence is defined as a pattern of behavior where an abuser will use abuse or manipulation tactics to maintain power and control over their partner. Domestic violence does not discriminate. It affects all races, ethnicities, socioeconomic statuses, sexualities, and gender identities. The six types of abuse that we will define under domestic violence are physical, sexual, emotional, verbal, spiritual, and financial. If you haven't listened to our Dynamics of Domestic Violence episode, we encourage you to go back and check it out. Thank you, Miguel, for that. And so let's start by introducing some common ways domestic violence can impact survivors, right? And I just want to make it clear that we are providing some common ways, like I mentioned, not Mm -hmm. all. There is so many, and obviously the impact will look different. And like Lisa mentioned, it will vary. Um, So just be mindful of that. But first off, we're going to talk about trauma bonded um, with abuser. So one thing to know is that survivors of domestic violence can experience trauma bond. And what that is, is an emotional attachment known as a trauma bond that develops out of a repeated cycle of abuse and then some positive reinforcement. So it's really important to know that it's only natural to develop a bond with someone who treats you with kindness, right? Um, But what happens is many abusive relationships will begin with a shower of affection and even assurance of love. Um, When the abuse begins, it may take the victim by surprise, right? Because they weren't expecting that. And then afterward, you know, the person that's causing harm, so the abuser, you know, might apologize or swear to change or insist that they were just upset, right? So it's not just like, you know, someone is mean to them from the get-go. You know, most of the time it starts with, you know, affection, love um, as a way to kind of lure them in, right? And once they feel like they are either comfortable with them um, or feel if they feel, you know, like they have power and control over them, then they will go ahead and start with some of the abusive behavior. But what happens is that survivor and victim can, you know, um, create or 
you know, begin this emotional attachment known as trauma bond. And that's why sometimes it's so difficult to just leave, right? Like many people um, ask that very specific question. Well, why don't they just leave? And it's not as easy as just being able to walk out the door. We know when it comes to domestic violence, it's a lot more complex. So, um, but the next, you know, common way um, that DV can impact survivors is learn survival skills to stay alive. And so um, many times survivors will pick up on some survival skills and coping skills, and they're not always either healthy or unhealthy right it just depends mm-hmm. it can vary um, but a lot of times they pick up those skills as a means of being able to survive the situation right day to day and so again you know it may not always be the healthiest um, survival skill but it's their way of being able to cope and survive um, a situation like abuse and then next up is believes violence is normal and so I've kind of touched up on this um, specific you know, point many times throughout many podcast episodes that we've covered. And so at times, you know, people don't know, you know, what is healthy, uh, what a healthy relationship is or what abuse or that a situation is abusive, right? Because Mm -hmm. that may be their norm. Maybe they grew up in a domestic violence home. And so obviously getting into a relationship where it's abusive may seem normal to them because that's all they've seen, right? They may not know what a healthy relationship is. They may believe that, you know, your partner being jealous and possessive means that they love them, right? And so, again, they may believe violence is normal. Also, there's a lot of coercion that comes from the abuser or the person that's causing harm that many times they're constantly, you know, normalizing their behavior and making it seem like it's not them that's the problem, you know? It's really the survivor or the victim that's causing that behavior from them. So, again, like we mentioned, um, you know, it can be very complex. Uh, but, yeah, the survivor may believe that violence is normal. Yeah, and we just covered that too in our gaslighting episode, right? We had mm-hmm. a lot of conversation around that and just talking about how, you know, someone who is gaslighting, um, you know, their partner in that relationship can really start to flip that narrative, right? And say that you're the problem or you're causing me to have these reactions or you're causing me to, I mean, long story short, be abusive towards you, right? And so, yeah, those are really big ones to keep in mind. They also kind of speak to these next couple of things uh, that are also some common ways that domestic violence can impact someone. So next one on the list, we have that this person may cope through drugs or alcohol, right? And thinking about that, if you are in a situation, right, where there is, um, you know, abuse, there's mistreatment, there's disrespect, a lot of people might turn to drugs and alcohol sometimes as a way to numb out from the pain of the situation, numb out from essentially the reality that they're in, right? Like that could be, sadly, that could be an escape for a lot of people um, to just kind of, you know, be able to kind of go outside their body, do whatever drugs or, you know, drink enough to where they're not kind of you know, here at this moment, right? They don't have to experience it um, in that same way, or maybe they can experience that and forget about what's going on for them. And so yeah, coping with drugs and alcohol, definitely a big one. We also have that this person may learn to minimize the situation, kind of like what we were talking about a little bit earlier. So, you know, we've also spoke to the fact that a a lot of abusers, they're, they're likely minimizing their behavior, right, to begin with. Maybe saying that, oh, this isn't so bad. Like, what I'm doing to you, that's not really bad. Like, I don't know what you're complaining about. Or, you know, this is a normal thing, so I don't know what the big deal is. This is how, you know, wives treat husbands or boyfriends treat girlfriends. And so, yeah, if this abuser is really minimizing the behavior, um, you know, that person may begin to really take that on themselves, right, and start to minimize what's going on for them, right? Maybe thinking like, yeah, maybe they're right. Maybe I'm too sensitive or 
or maybe this is really just what a relationship is in this role that I am supposed to be playing. Next on the list, we have that this individual may protect the abuser even at cost to themselves. So really going back to that kind of survival mode, right? Um, so maybe they're doing this to avoid abuse. Maybe they're doing this to avoid any kind of confrontation, right? And so that seems like a much better option to them, right? Like protecting that abuser, maybe, you know, kind of giving other people those, those reasons, right? Like, oh, you know, it was just a bad day for them or no, that didn't really happen like that. Or no, this maybe this bruise didn't come from them, right? It's a way really just to survive in that situation and you know, maybe avoid, again, future abusive behaviors. So now that we've kind of chatted about, you know, some of these common ways that, you know, this can impact someone, let's switch gears a little bit. So we also really want to discuss how children are impacted by just being in homes with domestic violence and some of the effects that it could have, either short or long term, because we know there's so many studies out there that, yeah, domestic violence, even at a very young age for children, has significant effects, right, from just being in homes and witnessing this. And we know this is unfortunately so common. Uh, statistically, 40 million adult Americans grew up living with domestic violence in the home. So that's why it's really important that we also chat about this today, because again, we know there's a lot of uh, long-term effects, right, that can come out of that. Yeah, and <clears throat> some long-term effects on children for these situations can vary, uh, but some of them are, you know, the children may take responsibility for the abuse. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, they may believe that the abuse is their fault or that they caused the abuse or just um, find reasons that to justify the abuse, either them misbehaving or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. um, children will try to, you know, justify that, you know, the abuse was warranted. Right. Um Suffering anxiety that other um, that another beating will happen. So children will worry about when the next beating is going to be, or um, and just not be certain. It'll you know, just always be walking on the eggshells, you know, not knowing mm -hmm. that if the next thing that they do is going to be the cause of them getting beat again. Um, and then just uh, fear of abandonment. The children may feel like no, like they may lose a parent, or um, the not knowing what's going to happen next. The uncertainty mm -hmm. of you know is this parent going to leave or are they going to leave me because of this or just anything that they do, they're just not sure what's going to happen next. Yeah. Um, and then they have guilt because, you know, the, the person that they, you know, many times they, they love, you know, they're the ones that are causing that, that abuse and that hurt. And it's kind of, I feel like as a child, it's kind of hard to navigate that and understand that somebody that you love is, you know, doing these things that hurt you. So yeah. it can be a confusing time and can kind of cause guilt. And, you know, just living in these sort of homes where violence is one of the main conflict resolution tactics, these kids can mimic that sort of behavior and incorporate it into their own daily lives within schools, with other classroom classmates. Um, mm -hmm. So they're just going to mimic. I mean, kids are like little sponges. They'll mimic anything. You say something and they'll most likely they'll repeat it. So yeah. it's, it's the same thing with this type of behavior. So if they see that violence is the way that they solve, you know, some of these problems, that's what they're going to resort to before they resort to any other sort of conflict resolution. Yeah. Um, and then kids that have been in these sort of homes sometimes tend to be, you know, it's a, it's a learned behavior, right? So what that means is that if there is no proper healing or interventions, um, these kids themselves can become abusers um, because of the learned behavior that they've learned, what they've seen their whole lives. You know, that's all they know. So mm -hmm. that's a way that they resort to it. Um, so sometimes they can become 
abusers as adults. Um, and that's why I think it's very important to do this sort of prevention work and intervention, because if you do that at an early age, you can, you know, you can shift that and and give them proper, you know, conflict resolution skills and just kind of moving that violence um, out of the way. Absolutely. Breaking that cycle, hopefully, mm -hmm. right, of all that, yeah, normalized and learned behaviors. Absolutely. Thank you, Miguel. I think uh, those are such great points to really know about and just to know the impact that, you know, domestic violence has on adults and children and really ultimately the community, right? Because we know this impacts yeah. everyone. Um, so thank you so much for going through that. And I just want to quickly highlight something um, because Miguel mentioned, you know, having guilt for loving the abuser, right? Because mm -hmm. that's sometimes what children go through, especially children that have witnessed, you know, domestic violence. Um, and so also survivors and victims can go through the same thing where they could feel guilty for, you know, loving the abuser. Um, mm -hmm. And one thing that we do as advocates is we refrain from speaking badly of the abuser although we may have our personal opinion on you know how we believe that person's not a good person or not a very nice person right or a person right. that really needs help um, we really refrain from speaking negatively of them and if you are a person that you know know someone personally that's experiencing this or you're maybe someone support person it's really important to be mindful of that right because what happens is if you start speaking negatively of the abuser or the person that's causing them harm, they may become protective over them, right? Or defensive right. over them. Or they may refrain from saying anything to you. So I think it's just something to be aware of and mindful of and that I didn't know years ago before I started working at Live Violence Free. And I think once I learned that, I've seen a difference even in my personal life when I'm being that support person for someone, right? Where yeah. it's like, God, yeah, you have such a different interaction um, or such a different relationship with the person when you're trying to support them and they feel like you're not judging them or you're not speaking negatively of the person that they love right although they're an abusive person they may believe they love them at that time Absolutely. and that's something that is valid um, and we really for us to really be able to support them it's us being able to kind of have that non-judgment and not speak badly of the other person but obviously we can say something like you know kind of really focus on the person that's experiencing that like you know you don't deserve that you deserve someone that respects you and loves you you deserve to feel safe right opposed to being you know he is not a good person right um, yeah. so just wanted to quickly highlight that before i dive in to the next part so um just following up on what Miguel spoke about, I am now going to cover some of the effects of domestic violence on children and what that can look like. And so some of those effects may be children experiencing nightmares, right? And this is something that is very common. Um, and so it could be nightmares in regards to just darkness being involved, um, something that's scary, something that's causing them fear or them screaming or sleep talking in their night and their sleep, right? Um, screaming or waking up very um, scared. And so this is something that does affect children um, and that is correlated to domestic violence. And also loss of appetite, right? Um, just mm. due to sometimes, you know, the anxiety, due to the fear, um, due to everything that they're experiencing, right? Um, just the effects of domestic violence and just domestic violence itself can be very traumatic. And so 
that could be one of the reasons on why a child is affected by loss of appetite. Um, problems at school, truancy or drop-in uh, performance. So it's really important to know that it's really difficult for children to focus um, at school and to really be able to retain and grasp all the information that they're learning when you know they're ex they're brain is experiencing so much trauma um, and so because of that sometimes they're experiencing that like fight or flight right which um, is okay as as human beings we experience that but experiencing that all the time is not good for our brain or our body and so um, due to that sometimes children really experience you know problems at school um, or because of lack of sleep right they're unable to really pay attention at school and they're having problems at school or also problems at school can look you know um, like challenging behavior that they're maybe um, showing right at school um, if they're mimicking some of that behavior um, that they saw at home at school that could be one of the reasons as well Mm -hmm. And then clinging to mother or sibling due to, a lot of times it's due to fear of abandonment, right? Um, or just um, that fear that also maybe mom is going to get hurt or if it's, you know, vice versa, if the victim or survivor is male and it's the dad, right? Um, it could be that they're really clinging to that person. Um, also fear of the dark. Again, you know, just really kind of correlated sometimes to nightmares or to what would happen or just darkness reminding them of something or triggering. Um, also regression could, they could experience regression, um, you know, so that could look like them bedwetting or thumb sucking, right? Um, they may become hypervigilant. And so this is something that is very common with children and also victims and survivors of abuse, right? Um, and so they may become very hypervigilant about things. Um, they may become very jumpy about things as well. Um, also substance abuse that also may happen and so again you know we talked about some of those poor health um, coping skills that sometimes happens as a way of surviving um, a traumatic situation and so substance abuse could be one of them as well and yeah. then they could learn to be bullies and like I mentioned um, you know some it's maybe due to some of that mimic behavior right especially if they see some physical abuse that's happening at home or some name calling or emotional abuse right they may be mimicking that behavior at school um, and that may be something that is normal for them or that may be a way of them coping and expressing how they're feeling because they're unable to cope um, or express it in a healthy way they may not even know what that looks like um, so those are just some of the effects of DV on children. Like I mentioned, um, you know, there is definitely a lot more, but uh, we are just covering some just during today's episode. Yeah. And I think it's just so important to look at, right? I mean, just try to, and again, you know, if we have not had this experience, it's kind of impossible to, to know how it feels, but just thinking about children um, experiencing that stress, right, every day, no matter what kind of abuse, what situation is going on, the, the dynamic, who's abusing who um, in their family, right, just that stress and going through that as a child, right, and that inconsistency, because something that I feel like um, that I've really learned, you know, as I was teaching in schools and things like that and doing uh, youth programs, like kids crave consistency, right? And they crave like a safe place where they can be themselves. So thinking about, you know, their own home being so inconsistent, being filled with so much stress, so much anxiety, like of course we're gonna see some of these 
self-soothing methods, right? Like we talked about regression. We talked about, you know, bedwetting or sucking their thumb or clinging to other people, right? Um, kids are really going to try to be as resili resilient as they can. And they're really going to look for whatever comfort, whatever consistency they can, right? Um, and just unfortunately, like some of those that JC mentioned, right? You know, substance abuse, learning to be bullies. Like those are big ones because we just kind of see, um, again, that normalization happening, right? Or that understanding that, you know, maybe this is how I should be acting um, or again, just that learned behavior. Because um, I used to, when we would go to schools, I would always say, you know, when it comes to violence, you know, it doesn't always happen this way. Like if you've experienced abuse as a child, it does not mean that you're going to be an abuser. It does not mean that some of these things may happen later in life. But a common kind of go-to phrase I would say is hurt people, hurt people. Right. So if you've commonly been abused, mistreated, um, some people, and again, part of that kind of self-soothing process, right, will, you know, after having their power and control taken away like that, will go and seek their own power and control. And usually through the means that they're learning. Right. So that maybe those same ways that they're being abused or they're being mistreated or spoken to. Right. They know that that took a lot of power and control for me. So if I do that to someone else, right, maybe I'll feel powerful. Maybe I feel like I get a little bit of that control back, right? So yeah, a lot of these things, they're really interconnected and yeah, it's just really important um, yeah, to kind of look for these things, right? Especially for someone who does have kids, works in a setting with children, right? Because I think a lot of these can be seen also as like what we call conduct disorders, right? Like a kid just acting out, a kid just being bad for the sake of being bad. Um, but it's really important, you know, if we see a lot of these behaviors to have those conversations. We don't know if it's directly because or directly correlated with domestic violence, but if we see a child self-soothing in some of these unhealthy ways or acting out, right? I'm using air quotes, acting out in some of these ways, really, really important to explore that, right? Absolutely. And I think it's really important to also highlight that kids are extremely resilient, right? Mm -hmm. And like Lisa mentioned, just because they have witnessed um, you know, domestic violence or have experienced abuse, right, or have been abused does not mean that they're going to become abusers themselves, right? right. Yeah. But really their environment and who is in their life can make a big difference. And we always say one trusting adult can make a difference in a child's life, you know? Absolutely. And so keep that in mind because if you know of a child that is experiencing this or has witnessed domestic violence, you know, you can actually make a big difference in their life by just being a positive support adult in their life. And so again, you know, children are extremely resilient they have the ability to just spring back from things um, especially with the proper support and healing just to kind of add on to that i just feel like understanding how trauma works can kind of help you being that mm. trusting adult you know just the fact that you know with <clears throat> people with kids that experience trauma or just anybody in general it stunts the growth right so whenever it happens you know it is going to stunt the growth and that's where you see these coping skills or these regressions is where you know the growth is being stunt and they're kind of stuck like they're not able to impact their developmental stage so i just right. feel like just kind of knowing that what trauma does to somebody um, not just with domestic violence but with any sort of trauma just realizing that that's what it that you know trauma does stunt growth and it kind of regresses you in a way in general it kind of helps you understand that being in being that, you know, that children's trusting adult, just being that trauma informed. I feel like we always talk about that. So just kind of taking it from that lens and understanding trauma can help in those situations. Absolutely. And I'm so happy you mentioned, you know, those, those developmental stages, right? And how they are greatly impacted or could be greatly impacted by going through this, right? And we think, 
you know, I think just anyone can sit and imagine how, yeah, absolutely, it's going to happen, right? From learning appropriate coping skills. If I'm constantly living in fear, if I'm being abused, then yeah, it's going to be really hard, um, you know, alongside my peers to just kind of pick up all those developmental markers, right? Because they're not learning them or they don't have the opportunity and the safe space to be able to yeah, take on those healthy behaviors because they're not seeing them. Yeah, and I just want to say, you know, I personally experienced um, a lot of fear, you know, going home. And so something that would happen to me very often is I would not be able to sleep at night just because mm-hmm. of anxiety and just the fear of what was happening at home. So what would happen is I would go to school with lack of sleep and I went from a student of having like straight A's and always being top of the class and always making sure that I was like an overachiever and competitive in anything possible, any sports to just me really struggling in class and falling asleep and teachers being concerned. But there, I never was asked, you know, is there something happening at home? A lot of the questions that were asked or were, or comments that were made was just, you know, you're, you're not doing good or what's going on. I'm going to contact your parent um, Mm -hmm. because you're falling asleep in class. Right. And so I kind of felt like I was more of a bad student opposed to a child that was experiencing challenges or had a lot more going on at home. Um, And I feel like, you know, lack of sleep can then really trickle down and affect obviously, you know, my behavior, um, the way that I'm coping with things. And so I think it's just really important to know that, that sometimes, you know, especially if you're a teacher or you're someone that works with the school, right, and students, that, you know, a lot of this behavior, lack of sleep or someone falling asleep in class or just behaving in a very challenging way can be red flags to something happening at home, right? Something that's going on at home doesn't mean that, you know, we're not guaranteeing that domestic violence is happening at home, but it does happen. And so I think sometimes those proper questions need to be asked in situations like that because it can happen to anyone. Yeah, absolutely worth exploring, right? If you're in those kind of positions, you are, you know, um, working with children in any way and you see some of these indicators or you just see, you know, different behaviors, like so important, yeah, to, to ask those questions, right? Um, and there's another thing in psychology, um, there was a psychologist, he created, it's called, um, his name is Maslow, he created this um, this structure or this kind of theory, but it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? And it really, it really just talks about how if you're not getting your basic needs met, right, if you don't have adequate food, water, shelter, and safety, then it's really hard for you to care about other things up the line, right, like your personal relationships or school, right? Because, yeah, think about that. If you are going home and your home is chaos, unsafe, just always, um, you know, there's always a possibility where violence can occur towards you or someone that you care about and you're in fear. Yeah, it's really hard. Think about that child trying to go home and just focus on homework with all that going on, right? Or coming to school and, you know, having dealt with all that at home, not getting, you know, good sleep, maybe not eating or having proper nutrition on top of that. Yeah, absolutely, right? Like how are they really supposed to um, just focus on that homework, focus on those tests coming up right it really comes down to they're just trying to survive and that's obviously going to be their focus right and so even though we kind of spoke about this already um, we do have just a few kind of statistics Um, this came out of a study uh, done by futures without violence a great organization that deals with domestic violence has a lot of great resources out there Um, and so children who experience childhood trauma including witnessing incidents of domestic violence they're at greater risk of having serious adult health problems. So this can include tobacco use, substance abuse, uh, and kind of going back to that, right, maybe numbing, coping, um, numbing out with those things, but also obesity, cancer, 
heart disease, depression, and higher risk for unintended pregnancy. And I don't think we have the time today to really dive into how all those things can kind of map themselves out, but I think we're really putting out a general idea, right, of how these things can be interconnected, right? Maybe that's stress and the effects on the body leading to serious health issues like cancer, right, or obesity, because maybe we're coping with food, so on and so forth. And so also physical abuse during childhood increases the risk of future victimization among women and the risk of future perpetration of abuse by men more than twofold. And we, I know we already spoke to this a little bit. And so, yeah, just thinking about that's a learned pattern of behavior, right? And another thing I used to teach when I was at the schools was, you know, I always said um, that this is a learned behavior, kind of whether we like it or not. If we're around something so much, it can sink in. And I always said the example, you know, how many of us here hate a song but we know all the words to it and usually like everyone's hand would go up and I'd be like yeah obviously we don't like the song so we're not going and googling the words to learn them we've probably just heard it so many times that even if we hate it and we're like oh turn it off our brain is just deciding for us like hey I've heard this so much it must be important let me start taking in that information right and so unfortunately as much as maybe that child is really upset by what they're seeing um, there's a possibility for that right that they're kind of you know almost downloading that information and downloading some of that behavior even sometimes kind of unconsciously right so yeah this really just becomes important just thinking about not only the effects that we could see in children how they may struggle how they may have issues uh, emotionally or with coping but especially you know just as they grow into adulthood right if this is trauma that they're not addressing at the time so again like miguel mentioned before just such a big reason why yeah prevention and what we do and providing resources and educating right like individuals who do work with kids or educating pretty much anyone right like kind of like why we're doing this podcast just giving people the information the tools to understand that you know maybe there's some reasons behind certain behaviors and the importance of just trauma-informed care as well yeah those are some good points and i just feel like just this just kind of starts the conversation right kind of sparks it for them to even if it's just a little something that it sparked and them googling more information online Mm -hmm. um if that helps them out i feel like that's you know what the podcast is intended for yeah so if any listeners out there from the tahoe area are looking for support or more information you can contact live violence free at our 24-hour crisis line our number is 530-544 Four 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 four, and our general office line is five three zero five four four two one one eight. We also have an anonymous chat feature on our website where you can anonymously contact and connect an advocate during our business hours from eight to four. We will also be linking resources below for anyone who perhaps needs some support or had more questions about this topic. Keep in mind that also that October is not far away and is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So we will be circling back um, to domestic violence in the month of October as well. Thank you, Miguel, for that. We are now going to move into our self-care piece and we are going to practice some meditation. If you don't mind getting yourself into a comfortable position And then we will begin our meditation. So I invite you to take a deep breath when you are comfortable. Begin to close your eyes. Take a moment to imagine yourself being more calm, peaceful, and focused. 
And as you allow your unconscious mind to naturally create an image of what that would feel like, consider what you might be seeing, hearing, and what you might be feeling that shows you are more calm, peaceful, and focused. As I'm guiding this meditation, focus on your breathing, slow your breathing, and perhaps you are already feeling more calm, peaceful, and focused. Continue to breathe slowly. Notice that your unconscious mind can reveal how you might do this. Now maybe you can think of a simple way to incorporate this feeling of calm into your life and the days and weeks ahead. And after you have done that, know that it, it can really be this easy to create a little more peace and calm in your life. You might be envisioning yourself at the beach or with your family or doing something you love and brings you peace. So I invite you to continue to take slow breaths and to continue to be in a place that brings you peace. Think about how you're feeling right now. Do you feel calm? Do you feel at peace? Do you feel focused? Are there any sounds around you? Continue to take slow deep breaths. Continue to enjoy your calm place. So I invite you now to take a breath for a moment and begin to move your attention back to the room. Listening to the sounds around you and slowly begin to open your eyes. So this was a very short meditation, um, but very similar to the meditation we practiced last week that Miguel provided. It's really easy to kind of create a place of calmness or a place that brings us happiness. And sometimes, especially with this pandemic happening, right, we may not be able to travel or we may be limited, um, you know, on the places that we can go to. And so it's really important to be able to take yourself there. Um, you know, and just be able to practice some self-care as well. And so this is something that can take, you know, two to three minutes a day and that you can easily do. Thank you so much for that, JC. I really enjoy those visual meditations we've been doing. I think it is it's something so wonderful. I think back in our episode with uh, Jen Klein, right, our um, self-compassion episode, we really really dove into that and she really shared how that's a great thing we can do just for even like this tiny moment of self-care even just visualizing some place we'd love to go right or picturing that place that makes us happy and so 
Thank you for that. That was so nice. And I think such a good way to end this episode, um, you know, just as heavy as it was talking about domestic violence, talking about children going through these things. I know a lot of people out there probably really enjoyed that meditation at the end of this today. And so, yeah, we are definitely going to dive into a lot of these topics. Again, this was just a snapshot, right, of a lot of different effects, a lot of these common things that we see in terms of, you know, someone who has experienced domestic violence. But, of course, this is not the be-all, end-all. There's a lot more conversations to draw out of a lot of the things we spoke about today. So, yeah, definitely um, just keep that in mind. We're going to be covering a lot more, um, especially once October rolls around here shortly. It is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, so we'll have a lot of episodes really heavy throughout that month on these topics and so to all of our listeners we encourage you to check out the resources below we're going to have a lot of really great information and just support ways that someone can reach out if they themselves need support uh, ways that they can look into how they can support other people in their lives that may have gone through these things so really encourage you to check that out but we really, really appreciate everyone listening in today, being a part of this conversation, and we hope to see you for our next One Conversation episode.